nobody in my family is a Christian. I'm sorry about that. Have you tried talking to them? Yeah, I was going to tell my sister about Jesus one time, and she was downstairs using the computer. So I went down and I was going to tell her about Jesus, but all that came out was, can I use the computer? I have a Bible verse about that. Would you like me to go get it? Yeah, that'd be a great help. Adrian, did you hear that Kevin just wrecked his brand new Honda? No Oh man, he had it coming. I knew this was going to happen. He so deserved it. He is a terrible driver. He is awful. I think it's a bunch of when he bought that car. All he did was talk about that car all the time. It was ridiculous. I'm glad. I hear you on that one, uh huh? Well, anyway, I have that Bible verse for you. 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Okay. Amen. Hey, we are in the book of James. And go ahead and turn there. We're going to read a couple verses, exciting and uh, new. And believe it or not, somebody's been praying. Anybody been praying lately? All one of you? Praise God, somebody spiritual. But uh, the rest of you, we'll keep praying. You'll get there. That's why we're here, right? Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so that's right. Uh, I think we're going to get into a new verse. That's right. Uh, but as you turn there, verse 2 and 3, we're going to take a look at. And uh, let's take a look there, what James says. He says, now, first of all, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Once again, this is literally what the Greek says. Be constantly rejoicing. Consider it a matter of unadulterated joy without any mixture of sorrow whenever you fall into the midst of variegated trials which surround you, knowing experientially that the approving of your faith uh, uh, that faith being put to the test for the purposes of being approved and having met the test has been approved. It produces a patience which bears up, does not lose heart, uh, heart or courage under trials. Once again, we saw that the purpose of the book of James is to test people. Why are they testing? Because the timing of this book is the first book, uh, even though it's not in the order that we have it in the Bible, it's the first New Testament book uh, in the scripture. And we saw that the early church, the timing of this, the early church was finally, finally getting out there and doing what Jesus said to do. Get out there into not just Jerusalem. They were stuck there for a while. If you read uh, the scripture, uh, get out there into the world because you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Well, they finally got out of there. And what the, the uh, impetus for that was, was persecution. So this is the first book of the New Testament, the timing is they finally get, are getting out there into the world, sharing Jesus with people. So here comes the first book, okay, of the New Testament, and he's giving them an acid test. He wants to make sure that the people going out aren't fake Christians. You need to pass the test. Now, the first test, there's a bunch of them in here, okay, because the last thing, why is he giving the test in the first place? We saw so many times before. Because the last thing that God wants when his church goes out in the world is for non-Christians to tell the world about Jesus because they're going to have the wrong Jesus and the wrong gospel, right? Okay, and again, good thing that only in the early church do we have churches flooded with non-Christians. 
Yeah, it's a very applicable book for today. So they're finally getting out in the world. And the first acid test was how do you handle trials? Okay. Now, obviously for the non-Christian, uh, the way that you can see that if a person is not a Christian is this when they go through trials, if they turn away from Jesus and literally turn away, not for a time, but that's it. I become an atheist. I'm going to switch religions and become a Mormon or go into the occult or something like that. Uh, the Bible's very clear. First John 2 says, listen, the reason why they went out from us is because they never belonged to us. If they really belonged to us, they were true, they would have remained with us. But by their going, they showed that they never belonged to us. They failed the test. A trial came along and God exposed them for who they really were. Okay, but for Christians, the neat thing about this is he says, believe it or not, Christian, listen, yeah, you're going to go through trials too. But listen, the theme is joy. You can seriously go through trials constantly rejoicing, it says there in the Greek. How? Well, he gives us, as we've seen several times, I'm going to take a look at it one more time, uh, Lord willing. He gives us a couple reasons why. Because God is doing something good in all of our days, which includes the bad days, the challenging days, the trials. He gives us one good reason, and that was the, the thing that he's going to work, is perseverance, okay, which is a good thing. That is what gives us that ability by the Spirit of God. God works it in us that we become that complete, mature Christian, not lacking anything is what it means there. Okay, you have the ability to bear up under trials and not uh, give up and come out on top. Okay, that's a good thing. And then he has a couple key words that he saw there. He says, you need to consider this, okay, this aspect that God really is doing something good. Yes, not just in the good times, but even the bad times. You need to consider this, which literally means to think forward. You need to look forward to the gift that's coming in this trial. Something good is coming as a result of this. And then he had the Greek word there, gnosko, know, and you know this experientially is what we saw there. This isn't just a casual knowing. This is I've learned from experience. How many of you guys have ever gone through a trial? How many of you guys have gone through several trials? How many of you guys have gone through a bunch of trials just since becoming a Christian? All right, so guess what? By now, you should not just know, as, well, it says in the Bible, you should know experientially uh, that you're still here. God's brought you out of how many of those trials? Every single one of them. And if you stick with him, you always come out on top. You know that experientially. And when you consider that, you think forward, hey, hey, hey God's doing something fantastic. And yes, this one, maybe it's the 117th one, but I'm getting ready to get blessed 117 times. That gives you joy. And that's why he says, don't just consider it pure joy. Think forward and be constantly rejoicing. When you realize, and you get this deep seed in your heart, Christian, all of us, that no matter what we go through in life, God is doing something, listen, fantastic. Even in our pain. What can rob you of the joy? That's what James is talking about there. And we've seen several different reasons. It says there, uh, remember the, the key word there says many trials, poikilos in the Greek. Many trials, got, just as there's many trials that come your way, all 117, however many there have been. Okay, there's many good reasons why God allows those many trials. And we've been focusing on that for the last several weeks. To expose our sin nature, certainly perseverance. To expose our sin nature, to keep us from becoming spiritually lazy. To cause us to be a blessing to others. To teach us that God is God and we are not. To make us more like Jesus. To keep us from wasting our lives. To make us more humble, joyful, and loving. To produce a powerful testimony. Produce a powerful character. To get us steered into a new direction. Uh, 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 to get us to appreciate godly fellowship and the benefits of that. To get us to return to him if we start going south. Okay. Uh, to get us to build our faith. To be a powerful witness for him. To deliver us from depression and teach us the sacrifice of prayer in the midst of our trial to purify our service so we don't miss out on laying crowns at Jesus' feet. And sometimes, we left off last time, to discipline you. Anybody ever get a spanking from God? As we all know that it's because he hates us. No, Hebrews 12 says it's because he loves us. And just like as a parent, 
You ever get spanking? Used to? Okay, good. Keyword, used to. That's good, that's good, right? Okay, get a spank, you get a spanking, Joe? More, okay, that's good, okay, right, okay. And it was all because our parents hated us. No. It's because you get out of line, discipline is love. And that's what the scripture says, okay? Now, I got one last reason, and then believe it or not, <laughs> verse 4. Okay, I'm excited about it. We've been on verse 3 for a while. Anyway, so and the, the final reason that I've come up with this, and this is for, more for the non-Christian, obviously, and sometimes God will allow trials, listen, to get you to heaven, okay? To get you to heaven. I really think this is what's going on. See, trials, God, he doesn't just expose the non-Christian with trials that, and they walk away from Jesus. That's the negative response. Sometimes uh, you're going to see uh, that it draws the non-Christian to Jesus, okay? But uh, uh, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 2. I think this is a, partly what Paul is talking about here. Romans chapter 2. Romans, of course, was written to the Romans. Romans chapter 2. Uh, let's take a look there, verse 4. And uh, here's what Paul says. Uh, he says, um, talks about this issue. Verse 4, when you get there, say moo. Moo. We've got a couple moves. Give you a little bit more time. Mm, that was something. That was a cow pondering, apparently. A ponder moo. Anyway, that's right. Let's, uh, almost sounds Greek. Now let's move on. All right, verse 4. Here's what it says there. He says, now listen, or do you show contempt for the riches of his God's kindness, his tolerance, and his patience. Anybody glad that God is tolerant, kind, and patient? All right. He says, listen, not realizing that God's kindness, what's the reason why he's doing that? It's supposed to lead you towards repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up, obviously the non-Christian, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. Anybody glad that that gets erased when you become a Christian at the cross of Christ? Okay, that you're out from under God's wrath and uh, you get to uh, uh, become a recipient of his mercy? Yeah, okay. Now, the reason why I bring up that text is because I believe that oftentimes God, listen, as he, Jesus says, he doesn't just send rain on the just. He sends rain on the who? Uh, the unjust. He takes care of, he loves his creation. He's, he's uh, uh, patient. He's not wanting anybody to perish. And sometimes God does good things to his creation, even non-Christian, uh, to hopefully lead them to repentance, right? Okay, but why don't people respond? What to say there? Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart no i don't need god okay you're in a heap of trouble you are actually storing up god's wrath for the day of judgment and how many guys would say that it's probably not a good thing to do not even on saturday when you're highly bored and looking for stuff to do yeah don't do it any time okay and this is what i believe sometimes people go through trials not only to expose and they might be even in the church you ever know somebody that starts going off in church services and they get involved in church stuff and they might even get cleaned up to look churchy and they might uh, you know help out around the church and 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 do this and do some church things and all that stuff and they go through a hard trial a death of a loved one or some loss of a job and they're gone and then you find him two years later, it's like, yeah, I become an atheist. God's just a bunch of baloney. What's the Bible say? Well, they lost their salvation. No, you can't. They show their true colors. Okay, and sometimes, did you realize that maybe what God was doing also wasn't just exposing your fake, but the purposes of your fake so you can what? Get saved. 
I have to, you're so stinking stubborn, you're so full of pride, that I have to get, in order to get you to bend your knees to cry out to me, I got to crack them for you. Now, it sounds harsh, but if we use the phrase in parenting called tough love, that sometimes your kids get out of line and you got to do something a little bit more than the normal to get their attention for their own good. And God is not willing that any should perish, and sometimes he'll use hard times to get the non-Christian's attention to break through that stubbornness and get them to repent. Otherwise, they're, where are they going? Yeah, you can say it. It is a biblical term. They're right. See, that's the silent H word in the church today, isn't it? Nobody wants to talk about that. I'll never forget one time this preacher was doing this funeral. And, and it was just like, man, just dancing around the issue. They said, well, yeah, your loved one, they just, uh, they just didn't, they didn't make it to heaven. You know, they just not, not, didn't go to heaven. Didn't go to, but you, you, you can say it, you know, okay? I'm not saying God beat him over the head, okay? But they, if you don't go to heaven, where'd you go? You go to hell, Right? And see, that's the issue. That's the, and God loves people so much. He knows that this is not, well, they didn't go to heaven. No, he doesn't want you to go to hell. So he'll do whatever it takes to get your attention to get you to heaven. Because as soon as you die, if you're dying without Jesus Christ, listen, you're doomed forever. It's it. You can't change it. You can't get out. That's serious stuff. So God will do what it takes to get your attention. Let me give you some examples because I really think this is a common scenario. How many of you guys, I only know of one person that I've ever met who's come to Jesus because of God's kindness. His name was James Blaine. It was in Sacramento. It was a men's Bible study I used to go to when I very first got saved. And you know, we're all giving our testimonies and stuff like that. And he gives his. He says, well, here's how I came to Christ. You know, uh, my dad left my mom. And it was just me and my mom going through some trials, hard times, divorce, and growing up in that situation. And, and, uh, and I, I was befriended by a Christian. I'm the same age. And, uh, and uh, he would invite me over to his house. And I loved it because it's just like I had nothing to do. Mom was always at work and I was by myself. So I started hanging out with this Christian guy. Well, he had a family. Mom and dad were there and a couple of siblings, what have you. And uh, so I just started hanging out with them. And he says, and I just watched them. I just watched them be Christians. They would pray for their meals. They seemed to get along most of the time and uh, seemed to have some joy. And just, you know, just things worked out great for them by and large. He says, I went home that one night. And he said, I mean, he had the exact time on the clock, everything, when he cried out to Jesus. And he said, there, I sat there just reflecting on what they had and what I wanted. And I, I, I dropped on my knees beside my bed right there and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only guy I've ever known. Most of it, how do we come to Christ? Hard times. <laughs> Big time. And man, this happens all the time. Let me give you some examples because I'm telling you, man, this is, I really believe, uh, a common scenario because we're stubborn. And I think that's the key word there in that passage. We are stubborn. If we weren't so stinking stubborn. I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, th th we should be packed. We should be having 15 stories on this building of all the times that we've shared the good news, not the bad news, that if you would just call upon the name of Jesus Christ from your heart and ask him to forgive you of all your sins, that you're trusting in his death on the cross, taking the penalty for all your sins against God, God will forgive you. He will save you. You will become his child. He will take you to heaven. You would think there's so many people, right? They're lined up at the doors. Can I do it now? Now? You don't even have to come in here to do it. You can do it outside the door. There should be so many people. Vegas should be saved by now. But what happens when you tell that to people? They scoff the stubbornness, the unrepentant heart. So God uses trials. Let me give you a couple examples of uh, how that happened. First of all, it happened with my dad that way. Here's how my dad came to Christ. Uh, over the years, my dad was stubborn. He didn't need God. 
Uh, and what God used to open up his eyes was uh, uh, he became the last sibling. Uh, his sister had died and uh, grieving through that. And it was just he and his uh, mom, that's it, of the family line. That's it. And he's all alone and feeling that. And, uh, but really grieving over his only sister. And, uh, but that's it. And so uh, the pastor had come over to do my uh, sister's funeral. Um, he asked dad, what do you want? He says, you know, I just need to know that God's real. And, uh, and uh, he said, the pastor prayed for him. And he said, my dad says, as soon as he got done praying, it was like a lightning bolt went from the top of my head, came out whew, through my feet. He says, I was overwhelmed with the presence of God, the love of God. And he, he came to Christ right there. And we, and we all know it's because God is such a tyrant and a meanie and an ogre because he allowed the death of my dad's sister and he put him in that situation of being... No, what happened as a result of that? Uh, he's no longer on the highway to hell, he's on the highway to heaven, right? That's a good thing. Uh, not only that, my uncle, same thing, my uncle, uh, my mom's brother, uh, he didn't need God either, right? Perfectly fine without him. So over the years, it took the death of his four-year-old daughter, Linda, she got hit by a car. My sister and Heather were there when, that, when it happened. We saw that. That was a traumatic thing. So she died, but still he didn't need God. And then his uh, 21-year-old son died of an asthma attack. Just had a baby, man. It was, just, it was a heartbreaker, but he still didn't need God. And, and then his wife, uh, my Aunt Jerry, uh, she died of a, a long, drawn-out, really bad bout of brain cancer and stuff like that. Drawn out. And after that, finally he cracked and cried out to God. Okay, because we all know that God's being a big old giant meanie. He's trying to torture my uncle and just seeing how much he can go through. No, when all was said and done, what happened to my uncle? <laughs> Praise God, he's no longer on the highway to hell. He's headed straight to heaven. Isn't that awesome? Okay, God broke through the stubbornness. Okay, uh, not only that, so you guys know my testimony. That's what happened to me. What do you guys get? There's a little test this morning. Okay, you're not going to get this on the back of a granola bar. Okay, what do you guys get when you get strung out on demonic drugs involved in demonic teachings, listening to demonic music, and experiencing demonic attacks infested with demons themselves. What do you usually get? You get possessed, you get demonic behavior, you literally get driven out of your mind. Of course, that's what happened to me. 1980s, ex-headbanger, drug addict, sexual moral, male chauvinist pig guy involved in the occult. I hated Christians, I hated Christianity. I thought the Bible was a book for the intellectually inept. The only people who read that were people who were, uh, were, were illiterate, uh, uh, intellectually dumb, and, and they were getting brainwashed. I didn't need that, excuse me. So what did God do? He allowed me to go through all that. Really, you don't need me? He allowed me to go way over that, literally on the verge of insanity, infested with demons. Boom, Easter 1993, I was 25. That fear caused me to run to my bedroom. I was 25, I dropped on my knees all by myself and said, God, if you're real, you want this life, you can have it. I spent the last 25 years messing it up and I knew enough from two people who dared to keep witnessing to me and I was a meanie to call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Because I tried all the other religions on the sun except Christianity. But this time I cried out to Jesus, Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. Coming to this heart, bang, instantly I was delivered from the drugs. The demons were gone, I had a clear mind. It was awesome. Literally could feel the weight of all the sin, the darkness, the baloney that I was going through 